Hello and welcome back to another edition of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. This episode features a great chat with Sabato. He is a master psalm. He is the president of a chain of restaurants called Bar Taco. And he is featured in the upcoming Psalm 3, which is where our conversation starts. He is currently in various cities around the U.S., going to different screenings of the psalm films. And this is where our conversation starts. But before that, we actually get into a little conversation of how my wine podcast came about. So let's get right into it. Tell me how this, um, how you started doing this podcast. It's, it's a hobby, right? <clears throat> For me, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I just kind of got into. And I don't know, I don't know, for whatever reason, I thought, I started listening to podcasts and I started listening to like Levy Dalton and, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Cruz and mm-hmm. all these guys. And there's one called Grape Radio. Okay. Jay Solomon. I mm-hmm. think he, I think he was in the first Psalm film. Okay. Uh, anyway, he's a, he's a contributor. And mm-hmm. so I just started listening to podcasts and <clears throat> I thought, well, maybe this would be my little small contribution to the world of, mm-hmm. of, of wine. Right. And it was always an excuse to chat with people I've always wanted to chat with. Mm-hmm. And so I've never, it's always been like, okay, well, who, who's my wish list of people I've always wanted to talk to, right? It gives me an excuse. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Love it. Um, and I love to talk, so. Yeah. So there you go. Well, honored to be uh, be on um, with you and being able to chat a little bit. So Yeah. Well, that's, mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate it because... Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's there's like a specific group of people that I've always wanted to talk to, uh, and you're one mm-hmm. of them. So, honored. Yeah, the it's funny because when I when I talked to Madeline a couple weeks ago, she goes, "It's like this. We we did we've coined you guys a band of misfits is what is what we've come up with." So Uh-oh, okay, the 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 group, you know, the individually. This is the way she described it was like individually, you've all got your own you know, your own successes and your own experiences mm-hmm. and, and, but now you're known collectively as this group. And when you get mm-hmm. together, there's this emotional bond and there's this connection mm-hmm. that you guys have Yeah, from the Psalm films. So, I mean, how, how cool has that been to have that little, that little group with this, this series of films now? No, it's been, it's been great. Uh, when I look back on it and even when passing, you know, uh, when we took the exam, it was, I was at the Little Nell. Um, Dustin was at the Little Nell at the time, and that's how I met Brian and Ian and Dee Lynn. It's almost like at the Nell for me was like um, sommelier CrossFit, where you're being pushed um, more than you would push yourselves. And um, I think that's what helped me get across. And so being able to celebrate that success, but also the relationships you built on that journey was amazing. But then to be able to get the band back together um, over the years has been been really great and to see how people have done a variety of different things with it It's not as though you end up with a band that has um, Six guys on the triangle or five or six guys on the triangle they each kind of have their own little thing that contributes to it And I think when you look at where the the wine industry is today to be able to showcase all the different avenues that there are for somebody that's pursuing wine not necessarily just even a certification but just um, beyond that in terms of do you want to be in retail? Do you want to be uh, in restaurants? Do you want to um, have a wine club? You know, all different avenues. So I think that's great because I don't think that view necessarily existed maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, especially for, yeah, exactly. For sommeliers now to branch off the way they are, the world is open for all mm-hmm. those different avenues, winemaking, mm-hmm. wine club. Yeah. 
the, actually, why don't we, why don't we talk about that for a second? What's your what's your most recent projects that you're working on since since you passed and since you've kind of got out of out of um, the off the floor, shall we say? Yeah, off the floor. It was funny. I was I've been off the floor since I want to say '08. I was at the in Little Washington, and even when I was taking my masters, I was the food and beverage director. Um, so I kind of gave Dustin and Carlton um, a hard time as we were studying. Said, "Hey, I had a day job. You guys were selling wine uh, day in day out." So it was always wanted to be uh, connected with um, uh, great beverage programs and great people, uh, and so that's what kind of kept me in it. And since then, um, I've been in restaurants. So, you know, I was uh, the chief restaurant officer at Union Square Hospitality Group for four years. And in that time, um, overseeing all the full service restaurants. And we opened, started with eight, ended up with 17 restaurants. And about a year ago, uh, I left to take on a role as president of a company called Bar Taco. And uh, Bar Taco is a full service um, sort of coastal South American, Mexican-inspired uh, concept. Every cocktail is juiced to order, and it's uh, been a, a great learning experience for me on how to grow one brand. And in the past year, we've opened three restaurants, and we're getting ready to open another three. And it's been fun to look at how you grow a team, a concept, and a culture across state lines. It, every day is a new learning experience. So that's sort of what I've been working on. And we were just acquired by um, Del Frisco's about three months ago. In addition to growing the, the the concept, it's also how you bring two companies together. And from a cultural standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from a systems, there's no manual for that that I've found yet. So uh, it's been been exciting to, to go through that and also learn from from new folks under the same roof, though. Interesting, and it's it's obviously certainly growing because I, I I noticed it was mostly Eastern U.S., but you're obviously mm-hmm. across across U.S. now as well, right? Right. Um, we're as far west as Boulder, uh, Colorado, and Fort Worth, Texas. Um, we'll and that's I think right now we'll stay at that's as far west as we'll go, and then we'll start fleshing out some of the other markets that we're in. The resets that that are going on mm-hmm. with uh, with the master psalms and uh, I didn't real I guess I didn't realize originally that it was they're going to give them more time than I thought uh, I thought mm-hmm. it would be pretty much right away in an immediate kind mm-hmm. of uh, but I guess they're going to give them up till next year mm-hmm. that they can reset at the same time as it would normally sit mm-hmm. it's an interesting predicament shall we say that that they've found themselves in yeah um, it's something that I can't comment on too much because I haven't been on the um, inside of that. You know, we have a great board of directors that's been leading the charge um, with that. And I just have to say that first and foremost, it's unfortunate. It's tremendously unfortunate and pains me that it's happened. All the collateral damage that's come of that for everyone that's involved. I don't think there is one clear cut answer or solution to do that, uh, to find out how we proceed from here. Don't want to add any speculation or anything from there, but I'm just hoping that it can come to the way that we can um, be able to to look back and, and feel that it was handled with integrity and that uh, the folks that deserve to pass and that, you know, are able to uh, have their their pins and um, to be um, to be masters. Um, and so, yeah, it's just something that never would have seen it coming from anywhere. And I think we've all been caught off guard by it. You want to see people passing, but you want to you want the integrity of, and what what it means to mm-hmm. achieve that to to stay, you know, to stay and 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 so I, I completely agree. Uh, I chatted with Jane uh, 
I think I, I may have mentioned in my one of my emails with you, but mm -hmm. I chatted with Jane uh, not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And in the window between when she passed and before she found out that she's got the reset, and I was going to do a, another one down the road with her and John. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm going to wait till after. Sure. But it was an interesting kind of window of time that she's mm -hmm. passed and we recorded and it was about two, two, three weeks after. And now mm -hmm. she's now she's going to have to reset. So hopefully she just crushes it again the second time and uh, and takes care of it. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, um, I don't know how you find a solution that is all encompassing that everyone says, OK, that's a great solution, not just for today, but for um, long term in terms of the reputation of those involved um, and the uh, and the exam itself. I think personally, I, I, I think it's the best solution that you could come up with. Mm -hmm. And to me, it also in a, in a in a kind of one in a in a one weird way, it shows you consistency as well. That mm -hmm. if that person was good on on, as opposed to that person being great one day, if mm -hmm. that person you know crushes it again a second time. There's a consistency factor too that that person mm -hmm. is is equally as good, you know. They didn't just fluke out on a, on mm -hmm. on a one time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in another sense, it it shows that they're mm -hmm. that they deserve it because they're consistently and and absolutely. You know, I mean, well. if if they there's no question in my mind. I also um, can sympathize for the um, the candidates in the sense that that was the hardest part for me to take. I had to take it four times before I passed the tasting and. Um, it was the one that was most psychological, um, challenging for me. And I felt I passed because I was tasting the best that I had and I was in the right frame of mind, not that day, but even just going into it and the preparation. So, you know, it's, uh, it is something that, uh, there's a lot of variables that go into it. And, you know, I was always petrified. I'm under the weather now, but I was always petrified that, you know, I'd be flying on a plane to wherever the exam was and I'd be sitting next to somebody that was, you know, coughing the whole flight. And then I get there and next thing you know, I can't smell or taste anything. And there I, I lost one swing at it. And yeah. um, it was just those sort of uh, psychological um, obstacles that y you have in the back of your mind when you look at that finish line. And if that, those six glasses are all that stand between you and the finish line. For me, I, what was between my ears was, was one of my biggest hurdles that I had overcome. So, yeah, I mean, airplanes and any kind of travel, you're putting yourself at the mercy of, of without doing the total bubble boy kind of thing. Exactly. Being yeah. on the plane and being like, no, what, what, what do you yeah. got? Don't mind me. Yeah. Don't mind <laughs> Just me. going to taste some wine. No, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> don't mind me. Uh, where are you right now? Out of curiosity. Um, today. Yeah. Uh, today I'm in New York, um, and I'll be in Dallas tomorrow. So I spend my time, um, between the two. Mm. Um, you know, we have a office in Connecticut, uh, as well as in Dallas. And so, um, depending on what, what's going on in my week or what I'm getting ready for that, uh, dictates where I am. And I do travel a lot to visit the restaurants as well. Uh, I spend a lot more time on the road, which has been exciting to explore and see different, uh, different markets. And I realize that New York is kind of a bubble, so it's fun yeah. to get out and, meet other folks, eat in other restaurants and, um, and see and the world. That's home for you, right? New York, uh, both New York and Dallas right now. I'm transitioning, um, just because, uh, Del Frisco's who purchased us is based out of, um, uh, Dallas. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'll be spending even more time, um, in the future. And I know as well that there's been a bunch of screenings, so I didn't mm -hmm. know if, if, uh, where you were in relation mm -hmm. to different events and stuff yeah. going on. So, 
Well, that's the benefit with uh, restaurants in 10 different states. It makes it very easy for me to be able to join in on those and, um, and participate. So yeah. uh, when the stars align and I can work and I can do that, then it's a win. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've got an event coming up in November, mm-hmm. um, which is this, it's the, same, the same theater that they had for Psalm 1 and 2. Mm. I, I was trying to get an event going up here myself, up in the Okanagan, uh, because we're obviously fanatical wine drinkers up mm-hmm. up in BC, right? But uh, it it didn't come to fruition. But the the Rio is is one that's had had them in Great. the past, so it should uh, it should be good. It should be fun. Good. So, when is that? Uh, November twentieth. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm I'm releasing the chat I had with Jason on November thirtieth, which is when mm-hmm. uh, when it was out on iTunes. So yeah. he's he's made me sit on it. He's made me sit on this interview with him for like a mm-hmm. month and a half now. So uh, it's pretty funny. He's he's a fun mm-hmm. guy. It was We chatted for like an hour. He's, uh, mm-hmm. He seems like a cool guy. Very cool guy. Yeah, I met him when we were um, taking it in, uh, taking the exam in Napa. And uh, I think that was a, a theory day that um, uh, only one person passed theory that day. It was a cold, rainy, dark day in Napa. And um, we had to uh, celebrate by drowning ourselves in Krug um, and cheap beer afterwards. And so uh, I remember, I think Jason picked us, picked Ian, Dustin, and I up and went back to this uh, cabin that we were staying at. And Jason was like exhausted. So we ended up cooking him like grilled cheese sandwiches uh, there. And then I guess um, that was a, a grilled cheese sandwich that changed the course of, uh, of history for myself. I sent you a little a little thing there about uh, I'm calling it the desert island grape varietal. Where okay. for me, it, for me, it's Pinot. That's that's mm-hmm. my that's my grape that if I had to live for the rest of my life with only one grape, okay. that would be my one. What what's okay. your what's yours? Well, I guess if it had there's two different things. I look at it this way. I'll answer the the first question. You know, if it's a desert island grape variety, and um, for me, um, I'm picturing. I'll take this literally. I'm on a desert island. And what do I want to drink? It's hot, right? Probably don't have a corkscrew, so I'm going to go Riesling in the sense that that's something that's super refreshing. Yeah. I can chill it down in the water. Uh, it's screw cap probably. And if I'm catching fish, uh, you know, with my spear and I'm diving for lobsters, that I think it'll go well well with that. Nice. Um, and it's very refreshing in that sense. So that's that would be my, um, that's my desert island wine. Now, if it was a grape that I would be drinking the only grape I can drink from here on out. Yeah. Um, I might go with something. I think Pinot's a great call because you can get sparkling, some great um, sparkling wines with Pinot. You can get rosé. Yeah. You can get uh, table wine. So I'm going to have to game that a little bit. So if it was actually Desert Island, I'm going to be unreasonable because whoever's sitting there with that bottle of like 59 Latosh saying this is my Desert Island wine, I want to see how you're going to open that. And I also want to see um, what you're going to, you know, drink it out of and, um, and how that all happens within when it's a little bit warm. So, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You, I mean, you, if it's Pinot, you, you can cool it. It's good. Cool too. If you mm-hmm. mix it, throw it in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. I originally, when I, I chatted with, with one guy and he called it his death row or deathbed one, yeah. he was straw, straw was his, okay. was like, you know, his final wine or he's, you know, if he's on death row or, you know, um, his final wine. Right. But uh, now I I decided to coin it the desert island one where he's there like, you you're, go. you're stuck with yeah you're stuck with of course you could spin this like what's the hardest to grow if you were growing mm-hmm. it if you're like showed up and it's like there's only one grape growing on that island 
Oh, I'd um, kill the grapes and I, you know. <laughs> yeah, Pinot would be the worst probably to grow. <laughs> yeah. What, unless uh, that island is like central Otago, unless that uh, it's like the South Island of uh, New Zealand. Yeah, um, exactly. That kind of island. It depends how big this island that we're talking about. Is it the yeah. island of Manhattan or is it like yeah. that uh, desert island? Yeah. Is it, uh, yeah, is it too warm? Is it, yeah, exactly. I know you've been drinking a ton of good wines mm -hmm. lately, uh, mm -hmm. great wines lately. Is there anything recently that you've, that you've drunk that, it's been really special and really kind of hit you. You know, you've really had a nice emotional connection with it. I think I've been pretty fortunate this past uh, week. There was a bottle of uh, 2010 uh, Complefan uh, Genevieve uh, Merceau um, that I had that was a, a real treat. When I was in Aspen, we started doing um, uh, Paulet there with um, Daniel Jonas and um, got to meet um, Dominique and, uh, you know, do some great events there and it's it's really neat doing uh when we did Paulet and Aspen because um it was you could see the 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 childhood um personalities of the winemakers come out because they're not just running around calling on accounts during the day and then having the dinner in the evening they are there playing and seeing them play on the mountain together and um, just enjoying the whole Aspen lifestyle was really great uh, to be able to taste a wine um, from him. Um, that vintage, uh, which is a great vintage, was was really delicious. Um, we also, I was playing um, this, there's a thing called the wine game. Oh, um, that uh, on your Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Um, so founded by uh, Rob Wilder and um, I think Jose Andres is his partner, um, played it uh twice and i had the opportunity to defend my crown um this past week and uh there was a bottle of basically all the wines are sort of blind and then on the app you try and guess what it is and so we had a really competitive um battle that night and um rob pulled some amazing wines i think we had a um 97 uh valbuena from uh vega sicilia in magnum which was really drinking delicious those were two that i'd say that are at the top of uh top of my head right now cool yeah what about you uh that's a good question i actually had a yesterday uh i went to a tasting um and we had a shot enough to pop mm -hmm. um because the there's a wine club up here that they just started a basically showing future offerings so you get mm -hmm. you know you got say 10 offerings a year mm -hmm. um roughly every six weeks or so sure. and they decided to we were picking up a bunch of, of wines and then they had a tasting of some of three future offerings. So you can go in ahead of time and sample about nine, 10 wines. Right. And one of them was a, was a shot of the pop that's, uh -huh. that's coming out. And they had a couple extra bottles there that we could buy. So, yeah, um, there you go. And yeah, there was, there was one left. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll be taking that. <laughs> yes, you will. Mine was a 2013 vintage. Mm -hmm. I don't have the biggest knowledge base on, on vintages. Mm -hmm. But I know for that, that was like five years old and it was just delicious. Mm -hmm. But I think 2015 was a good vintage for, for Shouting at the Pop. It was. It was just a, it was a, um, a warmer vintage and as a result, um, much higher alcohol. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I struggle with with Chateauneuf um, when it is, you know, so they're already ripe as it is to then have them in an uh, exceptionally ripe vintage. It makes it really full throttle. Yeah, that's, uh, and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. I, I like the lower alcohol for, mm -hmm. you know, I like that cooler climate, lower alcohol, because especially with Okanagan, you get mm -hmm. so much fruit forward, just they, they hit you with the fruit, right? Mm -hmm. And I want those layers underneath it. I want that, what's behind the wine, right? Right. 
what's those those you know the the earth and and all the the sub you know kind of the subcategories right not just the uh <clears throat> not just the um you know like the uh the alcohol that can hit you over the head yeah and and i i just i call it fruit forward mm -hmm. you know just they always hit you with uh nothing but fruit so mm -hmm. this time of the year you know you mentioned chateauneuf and i found that um i've been drinking more seasonally than ever before mm -hmm. and yeah. As we start to get, you know, in New York, it's starting to get cold and, you know, a little bit crispness in the air. And so to be able to move on to those more hardier wines, um, really looking forward to, to that time of year. The cooler weather, um, it's definitely the more full-bodied reds um, that I find myself drinking, um, like Barolos and Barbarescos. And um, they just kind of give you that hug. It's like that warm blanket. And that's also how I cook. And that's when I'll be getting out my Instant Pot, my slow cooker, and I'll be Doing short ribs and tomato sauce and having a, a nice big bottle of um, Barolo is uh, a nice way just to hunker down for the night. Yeah, I think that's why I like Pinot so much is because I'm a big fall guy. And then, like you said, as you get closer to Christmas and when it's colder out, you got those big Merlots and Syrahs and stuff, the big kind of a uh, bit heavier wines. So. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thanks. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Hope you yeah. got what you needed and uh, you Absolutely. don't have to edit me out too much. No, you're great. I appreciate All it. Right. Have a great one, Ian. Thank you. I think that's a nice way to end it, talking about winter wines. For me, it's all about the Merlots and Syrahs. And for Sabato, it's all about the Barolos. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram, at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a glass for me.